0: Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. All right, I want you to play a word association game with me. Don't think too hard about it. First natural response. Now, word association is finding out what you think, what you have predetermined in your mind. So just yell out the first answer when I say it day, hot, coke. Hi. Cats. Satan. Yes. It's right there. You knew it. Ready for this one? Ministry. Keep going. Some of you need to understand the concept of a question. It's followed with an answer. Ministry. I heard church. Love. Love. Hope. Children. Children. Teaching. Teaching praying, work. Did I hear work? Is that right? Interesting answers. So I thought preaching, church, Bible college, uh, Christ Church of Oronogo, Carterville, uh, Hope City. I just named churches. Word association is interesting because I've been asked to talk to you about how to serve in your work. And my, my concern is that you're going to focus on the word work instead of the most important word in the entire phrase, serve. Because here's the truth. And if you don't wanna listen to me tonight, I'm gonna give you the sermon in one sentence and you're good, you're free. You can't leave, but you can fake it. Uh, God doesn't care how you make your paycheck. He cares how you make your life. And your paycheck is something that is a necessary part of your life. You trade time for money. The church doesn't pay me to serve Jesus. The church provides me a salary so that I can be available to love and serve people in his name. So you may say, what does Mark do for a living? He preaches. Oh, it's a small part of what I do. It's my favorite part. Well, outside of being a dad and married to Heather, my favorite part is what I get to do on Sunday mornings, but there's a whole lot more to it. See, tonight I wanna tell you this, the call to ministry can only be understood after you've received the obligation of discipleship. I wanna say that's a long sentence. I want you to think with me tonight. The call to ministry is on every single one of us, unless you've equated ministry to a profession. If you think that what I do is ministry, you've made it more than it is, but you'll never understand your call to ministry until you weigh the obligation of discipleship. Because when you put discipleship first, bringing people into the presence of God and introducing them to their savior and eventual King Jesus, then it doesn't matter if you're at a school. Mrs. Holderman serving in Webb City High School has as much a ministry as her husband Drake does. She has as much a powerful ministry as I do. The person who works for Liberty Utilities has as much of a ministry as I do, if they've understood the obligation to disciple people for the sake of the kingdom. Just nod your head if that makes sense at all. If you've equated ministry to ability I want to correct that tonight. Ministry is more about availability than it is about your ability. It's about your willingness to be used by Jesus in whatever you do. I think some of the best ministry I've done in my entire life has been on Little League fields. I really do. I'm not sure I'm good at it. But man, connecting with students and watching them achieve things and believing in them and coaching positively. Oh yeah, you got to make them do it the right way. But at the end of the day i think i've done as much ministry on a little league diamond i used to coach freshman softball at a high school in michigan oh i know i did more ministry because i got to connect to people's lives in a real way and it wasn't like them just listening to me it was interaction it was fun i got to introduce jesus one of the girls would cuss in the middle of practice and then she'd look oh my coach is a preacher and i'd make fun of her for it in a light-hearted way and she would trust me after that moment because we're just two people trying to do the very best we can to follow this Jesus. When you get discipleship right, you'll open yourself up to ministry no matter what you do for a living. But I want to talk to some of you because I've been at Moves with you the past couple years and I love, I love you guys and I couldn't be any more proud. I have nothing to be proud of. I'm just a guy who hangs out with you on weekends. But when I see us at Move, and I see the number of students popping up saying, I want to serve Jesus, my heart goes out to you. And I tell you every year, don't unless he's told you exactly how he wants you to serve him, just stay satisfied with serving him. Just stay satisfied with whatever I do in my marriage, in my parenting, in my occupation. I'm going to serve in my work, but I'm going to make it a ministry no matter if it's in the church or not. Yet some of you have been called to do what I do, and you'll be better at it, and that's awesome. And some of you are called to do what Peyton does, and you'll be good at it, and that'll be awesome. But what I wanna show you is the kind of people God uses for ministry are not always the most talented, but they're definitely the most available. So we're gonna fly through this. I hope you have Bibles if you don't or open your apps, if you trust yourself not to look at stuff that's not worth looking at. If you wanna open your Bibles, the screen is gonna have the scriptures, but I want you to see for yourself. So when you see this on your own, you're like, I remember that bald guy talked about that once. And it gives us a vision of the kind of people that God uses in the work for ministry. So, we're going to go to Acts chapter 3, and I just want to show you in Acts chapter 3 and 4 one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Either God just turned off my iPad or I hit the wrong button. There we go. Okay. You want to know if God can use you? Well, he definitely can if you'll make yourself available. How do you make yourself available? First of all, people who are pursuing God's things. God is looking. It says in the Scriptures that the Spirit is looking across the globe for people open to the, the movement of God. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Peter and John were going up to the temple on the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Now, I'm going to give you a lot of background on this first one, because I want you to understand the context. We know who Peter and John are, right? They were disciples of Jesus. Jesus died, came out of the tomb, ascended back to heaven, and Peter and John became two of the greatest spokesmen for the movement called Christianity because of this. These are the early days after Jesus has left. If you know anything about the disciples in the Gospels, they're kind of mouth breathers. They're not very bright, they're not very effective, and they're not successful. You get them into the book of Acts, and all of a sudden these guys come to life, these women come to life, because the Spirit is on them. The Spirit is working in them. And so they're on their way to the temple. But here's the cool thing. They don't have to go to the temple anymore. What Jesus did on the cross took the need for the temple to go away. But Peter and John love God so much that whenever there is a moment that God is getting attention, Peter and John want in. I wanna ask you a simple question. Does your life have any space for real worship? Does your your everyday have any time to sit with God? I sometimes hear students talk and they talk to each other and they say things like this. Dude, when was the last time we hung? And the other guy's like, I don't know, man. It's been a long time. Well, guess what? We need to figure it out quick. We need to hang out. I know you ladies do that a lot more often than the guys do because when girls get together, you share. You stare lovingly into each other's eyes. Every word is just a morsel of richness. Dudes can be in a room across the room and have the great same experience. Never look or touch each other at all. It's like, hey, you wanna go kill something? Yeah, and then we hung out, right? So you ladies get together and you share and you commune. And I noticed the girls do this a lot. It's like, I I need my time with you. And you guys are like, okay. Do you know who God uses? God uses people who make sure every day that they carve out a little bit of time to just connect with who he is because it matters that much to them. Second, persons who are willing to be inconvenienced by the needs of others. If you really want to serve the Lord, he's going to put people in your world and people are messy and sloppy and awkward. Look at verses 2 and 3. A certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to sit down every day at the gate of the temple in order to beg alms. And when he saw Peter and John about to go to the temple, he began asking to receive alms. Alms was a contribution. It's like you see people on the side of the road who have a bucket out there and a sign that says, help my family, we need food, we need so forth. Now, we can sit in judgment as to whether they need it or not, but this is what Paul or Peter and uh, John walking into the temple, they saw a man in need. And he asked them for money in verse four. And Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him. Don't, don't miss that detail. They didn't blow by the guy. Like, dude, go get a job. It says they actually stopped and looked at him. That would have been uncommon to make eye contact with a beggar because then they draw you in and start asking for more and more. In this case, Peter and John just look at him. They fix their eyes on him. And then continuing in the verse, it says, look at us. And he began to give them his attention expecting to receive something from them. This is interesting. The beggar is watching this entire side of the room, hoping one of you will help him. And this guy walks by and he's like, dude, can you help me? And can you help me? And can you help me? And you can help me? And Peter stops him and says, look at me, I'll help you. And it says, then the guy turned his gaze from the crowd to Peter and John. Now, am I making too much of this? I don't think so. Peter wouldn't have given this guy time of day before he understood the kingdom of heaven. But once he got it, that guy had his sole attention. If you want to be used by God and you really want to do discipleship and turn it into ministry, every single person in your life matters. Nobody is insignificant. Nobody's worthless. Jesus would even say, Your worst enemy isn't worthless. Fix your gaze on an individual tomorrow and don't be surprised how stunned they are that someone's actually paying attention to them as a person. So, are you available? Are you open? Are you willing to be inconvenienced by someone else's need? Third, people who use what they've been given. Now, Peter bums the guy out in verse 6. He says, I don't possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I'll give to you. Sometimes what people want from us, we can't give them. But we can give them something of incredible value. And I don't mean a sermon. I mean hope. I mean belief. You have no clue in a high school how you're using the name of a classmate who you don't have a real connection with, a real relationship with, but you know them by name. If you walked in your classes tomorrow, trust me on this one, if you walked in your classes and there's a girl who's really quiet and she's sitting by herself and you walk by and said, morning, Sarah, instead of just good morning, you watch her come to life. Do you know how many people don't ever get recognized for who they are? And do you know what Jesus did? He recognized people all the time. You wanna do real ministry that leads to this greater goal of making disciples for the kingdom of heaven? start paying attention to people and use what you've been given now you may be given talent or skills or personality or charisma all of that's game if it's used to focus on jesus use what you've been given fourth people who realize their source of power is god peter said i can't give you money because he didn't have any but in verse six he said in the name of jesus christ the nazarene walk This is fascinating to me, and if you know your Bible history, you'll know this story. There was one time that Peter, James, and John were on a mountaintop with Jesus, and a cloud came down from heaven and turned Jesus into this bright, glowing, incredible, heavenly being and Peter, James and John fell on their face and hid and they came down the hill and all the Bible says was there was an epileptic man, I'm not making fun of that, it's what they were doing to him. It said the disciples had tried everything they knew to heal him, can you imagine what they did to that poor guy? They were popping his toes, giving him wet willies, they were doing anything they could figure out that might work, what did Jesus do last time? They couldn't heal this guy at all. Jesus comes down, he says, this kind comes from faith and prayer and then Peter walks up to this guy and he goes, I got no cash, dude, but stand up and walk. Where did Peter get that ability? Because Peter had been changed by his desire to see others win rather than just himself. And so he seized him by the right hand, verse 7, and when he raised him up, immediately his ankles were strengthened. I like verse 11. And all the people ran together to them, full of amazement. This guy's jumping around and dancing and everyone's like, dude, what happened? He's like, that guy. Those two guys... Did this, verse 12. Peter says, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? And why do you gaze at us if by our own power or our own piety, we made him walk? Hear me now, verse 12 is so important. If you want to do ministry, the moment you make it about you, it stops being ministry. The moment you make it about your brand or your level of influence, how many people know your name how many people think you're awesome it's so easy in our world to draw attention to yourself it's so easy trust me I get so much credit for being at this church that I had nothing to do with it's so easy to think yeah I like that feeling I do but I also don't I've understood I haven't earned it what Peter does here is he says hey why are you looking at us I didn't make him walk let me introduce you to the one who made him walk and then he begins to put the spotlight on Jesus. Chapter four, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, a group of men came up to them. They were Jewish priests, the captains of the soldiers that guarded the temple and some Sadducees. They were upset because the two apostles were teaching the people. Peter and John were preaching that people will rise from death through the power of Jesus. The Jewish leaders grabbed Peter and John and put them in jail. It was already night, so they kept them there in jail until the next day. But many of those who heard Peter and John preach believed the things they said, and they now were about 5,000 men in the group of believers. I wanna pause for a moment. Peter and John are standing in front of the same men who roughly 50 days previous had convicted Jesus to death and got away with it. They wrongfully convicted him, they tried him without cause, they had no jurisdiction to do this, they had Jesus arrested, they had him beaten, they had him in prison, and then they had him murdered, and they got away with it, and James, Or John and Peter, that night, ran for their lives when these men approached. Now they're standing in front of these same men. They're dragged before them. See, I told you that if you really want to to understand how you're going to do ministry and serve in your place of work, you have to understand that everything we do drives us toward inviting other people to follow this Jesus. It's not about coming to church. Church doesn't make sense until you start following Jesus. What's it gonna take for us to do that? It's not gonna be skill, although you can gain skill. I'm gonna encourage all of you, if you feel like God's calling you into a particular area of serving him, whether it's being a school teacher or a coach, or whether it's being a preacher, a youth minister, a worship leader, whatever it is that you fathom, God has gifted me and skilled me to do. I want you to understand, every single one of those desires can help produce discipleship in the kingdom, thus it'll be called ministry but I'll also tell you it won't be easy and you'll have a lot of reasons not to do it. You'll have a lot of reasons. Well, I got a scholarship to do this or I got an opportunity to do this or it'd just be easier, it costs too much money, it's a lot of work, I don't know if I can. I want you to remember the courage of Peter and John when they had the opportunity to run from what was in front of them and instead they stood and stayed, they showed courage. Look at Acts 4-5. The next day these jewish leaders the older jewish leaders and the teachers of the law met in jerusalem down to verse 7 peter standing before them the leader said by what power or authority do you do this now remember when they mention the name jesus there's going to be no parade and no celebration three months or two months previous these men take, took that jesus and killed him then peter filled with the holy spirit he said to them rulers of the people and you older leaders are you questioning us about a good thing that was done to a crippled man that's a great question oh really i'm going to go to jail because this man now walks that's interesting are you asking us who made him well we want you to know and all the jewish people to know that this man was made well by the power of jesus christ from nazareth (laughs) guys that's dropping the bomb oh yeah that jesus you killed yeah that that's the guy You nailed him to a cross, but God raised him from death. This man was crippled. He's now made well and able to stand here before you because of the power of Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can save people. His name is the only power in the world that has been given to save people. And we must be saved through him. The Jewish leaders saw that Peter and John were not afraid to speak. Then they realized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Remember I told you the very first characteristic that God's looking for if you wanna live your life for him, is availability, not ability. He will give you ability. He will give you opportunity. He will give you the amount of fame you can handle. You give him availability. You show the courage to step into this and say, this is who I am, this is what I stand for. I need to do this quickly, verse 18. So they called Peter and John in again, and they told him not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Why, what do you think is right? What would God want? Should we obey you or God? I think he's kind of asking like, hmm, you or God? We cannot keep quiet. We must speak about what we have heard. Are you willing? Because you don't have to. Are you willing to show the courage to take whatever you do for a living and make it about discipleship and serving other people? or is it gonna be made about you? Are you willing to show the courage? Are you willing to live in the presence of Christ? Are you willing to live your life? Because I'm telling you, I can go all day on this. I am pleading. Yes, there are people that need to do what I do. I'm getting older every day and someone's gonna to have to step up and take my spot. Maybe it's one of you. Drake's gonna need someone. Peyton's gonna need someone. Tyler and Emily's gonna need someone. Kim and Tammy in our early childhood area are gonna need some, we can't do this forever. We need a generation to step into this. But there are school teachers in this room. There are stylists in this room who can have a conversation with someone who they're working on their hair or their makeup or whatever, and they're having these conversations and they can begin to introduce Jesus into conversations. Tara's back there, she's a nurse. Janice is back there, she runs the school system, right? There are so many opportunities There are people in this room in the medical field, and I'm telling you what, all of them do ministry even though a pastor's not attached to their title. But for some of you, I want to encourage you, if if church ministry is what you're called to do, begin to have that conversation with those of us who do it. We're here for you. If you want to be in the school system and make a difference to disciple people, talk to these adults around you. There is so much experience in this room, but remember, if you want to serve God in your work, make your work about discipleship. Every day, make it about a conversation that brings hope and life and peace. Show the courage that Peter and John showed. In the face of possible death, they could say what, Peter, or what Paul said one day, I'm unashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who choose to believe. I can't make people believe. I certainly can give them a reason to believe. You'll understand ministry when you accept the obligation of discipleship. And you'll understand discipleship when you're willing to be courageous, to be bold, to trust that Jesus Christ and His name alone is what everybody needs. You're gonna have an opportunity in just a few minutes, you'll be given some instructions about where to go, but we'd like to have deeper conversations with how you feel God has called you and how you can use that to do this thing called ministry.